0: The following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Everybody all right? Come on, clap your hands. Everybody all right? I told Brad when he was talking about his son wanting that... that, uh, Jersey from Tom Brady. I told Brad I hollered at him, be strong, son, be strong. <laughs> uh, I may wear a jersey next week. It'll be, uh, if, if I do, it'll be my favorite person of all time in the NFL. He's a Navy man, played for the Cowboys, wore number 12. His name starts with an S and ends with an H. And his, in the middle of it is Staubach. So <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go. Anchors away. There you go. What a joy to see all of you today. I, uh, anybody broke out there? Anybody broke? Everybody got money? You got something to eat with today? Isn't that good? We live in America, folks. It's a great country. What a joy. I heard about this man that went to the doctor, and the doctor said, sir, I'm going to give you six months to live. He said, well, I don't have enough money to pay that out in six months. He said, well, I'll give you six more months to live. <laughs> That's how we all use it. Just say, I ain't got enough. Just give me some more time. It's going to be a great 2018. What a joy, what a joy to be here together with you today and to honor the presence of the Lord. And I'm always honored to see such an august crowd and such beautiful people that gather together here every Sunday to just magnify the Lord. Did you enjoy the music today? First time guest, you enjoy the music? When I walked in, when I walked in they were already singing the third song and I heard that voice and I said, I've heard that voice all my life. uh I got so tired of my daughters singing when I was a kid. When they were kids, I got so tired of their singing. And they'd just sing all the time. And they'd get in the car and they'd sing. And they'd sing at home. And they'd sing. And they'd sing. And I'd say, girls, I need a little quiet. So they'd stay quiet. They'd sing real real soft. They just always been singers. And I'm glad that God didn't shut them up because I want them to hush. I'm glad they're still singing for the glory of the Lord. Amen. I love my kids. And I love Pastor Randy and what he's done with our music department. What a joy. Would you stand? You're awesome people. And I love you if you're a guest here today. We honor you. We also are live on Facebook. And so everything we do is going out to several thousand people. The gospel, we also have a plant in Tulsa, Oklahoma that this will go to. Why don't we give all the people that are tuning in today a great big hand of appreciation for listening in. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. I'm speaking today, we have, we have discussed some things all month. We talked about the good Lord of Heaven being an everyday God back on the first Sunday of the month. How many believe He shows up every day? He shows up every day. Amen. And then the next week we talked about Him going back and visiting the iniquities of, 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 the, of the families of the fathers to the third and fourth generation and he believes that he can come and help you with your condition with your attitude with your character. He 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 wants to strengthen you. God makes house calls and we believe that generational curses are some hell wants to put on everybody but God is greater than the curse. Amen. Amen. And then last week we talked about we talked about the God of the Valley. We talked about him being in the valley not only with David, not only with the Israelites when they fought ben hadad and, and the Syrian army but also with Ezekiel when he prophesied to deadness, to broken dreams and failed visions, and they came back to life. So it's time for us to take a hold of what God has given us. And this 21 day of prayer has been absolutely incredible. Yesterday was just a capper, and I am so appreciative of how we finished yesterday with such a great crowd. We never drop below about 140 people any morning at 6 o'clock. Any morning at 6 o'clock. And I want to thank the praise and worship team. They had to be here at 515 to get ready to sing. And they sang every morning. And they sang to finish it off. And we had great prayer. And people are wanting to do it all year long. Give me a little break and we'll start again (laughs) sometime. I love you. But I'm working on that much, all right? I'm speaking today on the subject of capacity. Everybody say capacity. I want to talk about capacity today. And there is a beautiful parable In Luke chapter 14 that that Jesus talks about, He said, Then He said unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many. So when he was making supper he sent out invitations. And then he sent his servant at supper time a second invitation to say to them that were bidden, come for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. I pray to have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them, I pray that you'll have me excused. And another said, I've married a wife, and therefore I can't come. He just, don't even pray about that one, I just married a wife. <laughs> I love the way that's worded. <laughs> so that servant came and showed his Lord these things, and then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city, and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind." And the servant said, Lord, it is done as you commanded. And yet there is room. I can say still room. There's room. And the Lord said to his servant, go out in the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. Everybody say, God loves a full house. I saw some people over here a while ago waving at somebody that's coming in the door because our house is full. They're trying to say, we're over here, we got a seat saved for you. Get ready. We're going to have to start saving a whole bunch of seats around here because God's a moving. And I love it. For I say unto you that none of these men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. Turn to someone and say, I'm going to help the pastor today. I hope I can bring a light to you that you have not seen in this parable before. God bless you. You may be seated. This parable that I've read to you today speaks about willingness. Willingness. Nobody can help you if you're not willing to be helped. Right. Nobody can teach you if you're not willing to learn. German philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche wrote of a concept which he called the last man. And it's a philosophy that cuts a little too close to home for citizens of affluent first world countries like America is. According to Nietzsche, the last man is the man who lulled by too much comfort and affluence. Becomes apathetic to the world around him. He has no passion. He has no compassion. He rejects religion. He's, he rejects transcendent ideals. Or any causes larger than his own, his own self-interest. In fact, the last man's life consists of nothing more than sitting in his easy chair. And watching the world go by. And Nietzsche is describing some people in America today. And you know that. But John also wrote about a church called Laodicea, as well as the church of Philadelphia. There may be some here in this house. Question, have you lost that fervor that you once had with God? That fervor, that feel. You know what I'm talking about. Do you have a sense of God's presence in your daily life? Is it a great thing to get up in the morning or do you say, oh God, another day? Or do you say, oh God, another day? Do you still have that prayer that you prayed the night you got saved, the night he filled you with his spirit? Do you still pray that same prayer, Lord, I'll do anything for you. I'll go anywhere. I'll be anything that you want me to be, prayer. A leper told Jesus one day in Mark 1, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus said, I am and be thou clean. God needs Willing people turn to your neighbor and say, That's a good point, Pastor just made. God needs willing people. See, some people in this parable, folks, are distracted. Other things are on their minds. They have no purpose, they just have events. They just have events. It also tells us about the intention of the man who made the great supper. In fact, the intention of the man that made the supper is that his house should be full to capacity, he wants it filled. So you got to get this at the very first of this message. Nothing about God, folks, can be measured. Nothing about God can be measured. All His characteristics are immeasurable. His love is immeasurable. His grace is immeasurable. His mercy is immeasurable. His strength is immeasurable. His knowledge is immeasurable. His glory is immeasurable. And if you want to read about His seven spirits through in Isaiah chapter 11, all those are immeasurable. God is an immeasurable God. He is an unlimited, inexhaustible capacity. In fact, there is, there is no hiding from God. There's no getting away from God. There's no witness protection when it comes to God. You may run from the law and they can't find you. You may run from the drug dealers and they can't find you. You may run from somebody you owe a, a betting debt to and they can't find you. But you can't hide from God. He's immeasurable. He's immeasurable. David said, "'Oh, Lord, you've searched me, and you've known me, and you've, you know my sitting down, my rising up, and you understand my thoughts from afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down, and you're acquainted with all my ways, and there's not a word on my tongue, but behold, Lord, you know it all together, and you've hedged me behind and before and laid your hand on me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. I can't even bear it. It's too high. I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit, or where can I flee from your presence?' I ascend to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you're there. I can't get away from you. If I take the wings of morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, Surely the darkness shall fall upon me, even the night shall be light unto me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. In other words, whether it's all day or all night, you're going to be God. I think somebody ought to clap their hands and say, that's the kind of God I want to serve. I love that kind of God right there. I love that. Read that one day. Psalms 139. So God says to us, whatever room you make for me, I will fill it. God proves his inexhaustible supply by filling everything that receives him. In 2 Kings, Elisha had just got through pouring water on the hands of the man of God, Elijah, for 10 years. And Elijah was taken away and translated taken away into glory and never saw death and the mantle came down back on Elisha he parted the river and then he was caught up with three kings and they were in the middle of a desert area and the enemy was a captain around about him and the people had no water. And One of the kings said to the the king that trusted the Lord said this is Elisha over here but he has never done a miracle nothing's ever happened through him he just poured water on the hand of a man of God well at least he knows where to find water. And that's what you're needing right now is water. So they came to him. And Elisha looked at two kings and said, if it were for you and for you, I wouldn't even prophesy. But because you, sir, you trust in God, I'm going to prophesy. So he said, make this valley full of ditches. And he filled every hole in the ditch that they dug. And Elisha did not specify how many or how deep or how long. He said, if you'll just dig them, God will fill them. He said, you won't see, hear the wind and you won't see the rain But God will fill them. And you hear me. However much of God you want, you can have. David said, my cup runs over. But David got a little bit more of God. And he said, you know, he's like a well to me. Springing up. And then he said, he's a river. And then he said, he's an ocean. Some people want just a cup and hold their little finger up and drink a little cup of God. And somebody want to get lost in the ocean. It's your opinion. It's your decision. Whatever you want. There's a God that can give you anything your heart's desire. This is 2018. Let's go for the greatest that God has for us this year. Amen. So whatever room you give God, he will fill it. Give him 10 minutes in the morning of prayer and he'll fill it. Give him 20 minutes of Bible reading and he'll fill it. Give him your life and he'll give you joy immeasurable. See, the man in this parable didn't want just some sitting at the table, but he wanted the room to be filled with guests. May I tell you, folks, that grace is a net. Grace is a net. Those disciples fished with nets. Except one day when Jesus told Peter, go catch a fish. Go catch a fish. Open his mouth and there'll be a coin in there to pay your taxes. I've never had that kind of fish come into my church. (laughs) I've been paying taxes all my life. Pay social security. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus. But you know what? I got something to tell you. You know, I'm old enough to get social security. I hate to tell you that. But. I am. I got a raise this year. $50 raise in Social Security. I told Mama we're going to go get some more bluebell ice cream. <laughs> That's funny to me. It's not funny to you. Grace is a net. And God's not into what we call pole fishing, but here in this parable, the Lord did some pole fishing because He wanted His house to be filled. Yet, what is intriguing about this parable is that He specifically Invited some guests first, three to be exact. Now I understand the concept of this parable is about evangelism, but the first three specific people were who were invited did not come, and everybody else is a whosoever will. I trust today that before you leave this house today, that you'll be one of those that God says, "I want you in this house. I want you in this house. I want you to be a part of what we're doing in 2018." Won't you turn to your neighbor and say, it's time to get on board. Come on, it's time to get on board. No matter if you've been here 10 years, 20 years, or two months, it's time to get on board. Jesus needs us in the house of the Lord. Amen? He needs us. And why? So why did the Master specifically invite those three segments of society? Why these three people? Because these three represent society in general and the attitude of our society in particular. The first was a man who was a landholder or a land taker. One who takes land. He was invited because he knew how to take something, hang on now, and hold on to what he took. The poor, the maimed, the halt, the blind, whosoever wills are going to come. But those who have land, those are take that take a hold of something had more options in life than those who just wander through life. Second was someone who had five yoke of oxen. Five is the number of grace all throughout the Bible. I could go and just give it point after point, but just trust me. And the oxen were used to plow in a field. They were fixed, so they could not breed and could focus on the plowing. And the energy of the oxen could be used for plowing. They had a yoke on the five oxen, which represent the grace of God on their neck. Five yoke. It didn't say five oxen, it said five yoke. The emphasis was on the yoke. Five yoke of oxen. Grace, folks, is a gift. The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, that teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we shall live soberly, righteously, godly in this present world, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I want to tell you something, folks. The reason you're here today is because of the grace of God. You can't get good enough to get God. But when you get God, He makes you good enough to deserve what He has for you. Amen? It's unmerited favor. Anybody glad for the grace of God today. Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Grace is not a tough yoke to carry. Grace should not be hard to get up under, especially when you have been given the same grace that God wants you to give. And that yoke was a discipline of their gift. They were under, they were submitted to the yoke. They were sub, meaning under. They were under the grace, submitted to grace. God has filled has a field where he wants us to be plowing among the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. I'm going to preach in a little while now. Stay with me. Where we're fulfilled and find fulfillment. Third was a man who had married a wife. Enough said. (laughs) And what God saw in him was a man who was willing to be married to a cause. Some people are just dating a promise and not married to a cause. They can break up from time to time and then date something else. But this man was married to his excuse, not the invite. He did not even ask for permission not to be there. The bottom line is that God is looking for somebody who's committed. God is not a rent-a-God. He's not a rent-a-healing God on Sunday and live what I want to live on Monday. He's not rent-a-miracle on Wednesday night and do what I want to do on Thursday. He's not a lease-and-layaway God. This God refuses to be rented. God needs someone to be willing to sell out for Him. Clap your hands and rejoice. I want to preach the gospel to you now. Three people, folks, were invited. Three attitudes were invited. Three attitudes. Everybody else was a whosoever will. And when the whosoever wills came in, they still were not at capacity. The point is this. It took a whole lot of people to fill up the place that would have been filled by three proper attitudes who had tons of potential. Because people... That have the capacity to take back land and hold it, and people that have a capacity to find their field and get in it, and get their gifts yoked under grace, and people that have a capacity to be married to a thing and see it through, have such greater capacity and more options than a group of whosoever wills, you can get so much more done with people who are focused, committed, and buy in to the kingdom of God. Oh, I want to preach right now. Let's talk about the first one, okay? Let's talk about the landowner. I want to talk about it. I think it's important. The man Jacob came to my mind when I was studying this. I love Jacob. Jacob was just a he was a tough kid, but how would you like to go around with your name meaning cheater and beguiler and <laughs> you're gonna, you're gonna you're gonna beguile somebody? You're gonna cheat somebody. Hey, my name's Jacob. I'm a cheater. But when he was born, you know how he was born? He was born clutching the heel of Esau. He was grabbing for something that he wanted even in the womb. It was called birthright. It was called birthright. He wanted something more than the red and hairy kid that came out first. He wanted birthright and he, he got his brother to take a bowl of pottage and sell the birthright. He went to his father, put some hair on his arms, put some smell on his body and fooled his father who was blind and he got the birthright and then had to flee and run away. But here's what I'm telling you, he was a grabber, he was a go-getter, he was a land taker, he was, a, he was a, a, an identity grabber, he wanted the best God had for him. And one day, coming home and coming back, he heard that he was going to meet Esau. He was like 60 years old now. 60, folks, 60 years old. I want to preach to all the 60-year-old people right now. I'm one of them. But 60 years old, he hears that Esau's coming with an army. And he goes to a little place called Peniel. He crosses a brook and leaves the family on the other side. He this may get bloody. And he finds a man there. And the Bible said he wrestles with that man all night long long you know why because when you have a spirit of taking when you're born with that do you remember when you found jesus and you said lord i want whatever you have give it to me pour it in me let me be blessed by the kingdom i'll do anything i'll be a missionary i'll preach the gospel i'll sing and i can't even carry a tune but i'll do anything you want me to do Do you still have that takeover spirit now? Do you still have it? He's 60 years old and an angel shows up and he says, oh God, I got to do this again. I grabbed a heel the first time, but this time I'm going to grab the whole thing. And he got a hold of him. Oh, I'm preaching right now. And he said, I will not let you go until you bless me. I'm going to take a hold of this. I'm going to grab a hold of my future. I'm going to grab a hold of my present day situation and I will be used of God And that angel said, let me go for the day breaks. He said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. That's the kind of person that the man that had the great supper wanted in his house. I'm going to pray till we get this miracle. I'm going to bless the Lord till we get this new building. I'm going to pray till we see the revival we've been praying about. I'm going to hold on and grab a hold of what God has. I will not be denied nor defeated. I'm going to get what God has for me. Somebody help me preach right now. Woo! And that angel said, what is your name? Give me your name. He said, Jacob. I'm a cheater. I'm a deceiver. But there's one thing I got in me. I know when God comes close, I'm not going to let him go. I need him more than he needs me. Mm. Then he asked that angel, what's your name? (laughs) Angel said, it don't matter what my name is. But why Jacob was asking that was he saying, you know, are you the same God that blessed my grandfather? Are you the same one that blessed my daddy? If you're the same God, I'm going to hold on until you bless me. Here's what I want to declare. Some people that get saved lose that fervor And that's what New Year's are for, to pick that fervor back up. That's what prayer's about, Bible reading's about. And you need to feel that edge again. You know, every Sunday's not a Super Bowl, but I guarantee when those boys walk on that field next Sunday in Minnesota, I guarantee they're gonna be feeling like they're running on air because they're gonna be so high. Some of you need to get along with God and grab a hold of Him like a big old bear hug and say, you're not getting out of my presence until I feel your presence, until you change who I am. I don't care if I have to limp. I don't care if I have to have a name change. I want to be different in 2018. I want to be a land taker. I want to be a land holder. Come on, preach with me right now. Let's have a little church here today. The second that he wanted was a man that had bought five yoke of oxen. Yoke, yoke, yoke. The yoke, five, five, the number of grace. Can I tell you something, folks? If it wasn't for the grace of God, none of us would be here today. But Pastor, you don't know my story. I don't need to know your story. I just know the grace of God that covered your life. By grace are you saved through faith, not of works lest any man should boast. You're saved by the grace of God. You're here by the grace of God. Do you know that Jesus in His earthly ministry, did a miracle at Cana of Galilee in John 2. Met a man named Nicodemus in John 3 in the back alley, and he told him some questions and answers that he needed. But he, you know what his first need was? You know what the Lord's first need in ministry was? I must needs go through Samaria, John 4. Because he knew that at a well at noontime there was going to be coming a woman who had a bad reputation. She had a bad reputation. And her reputation was so bad that the maids that drew water in that day drew at evening time. But she came at noontime because she didn't want to be made fun of by the maids that drew water. There's a lot of people that want to hide and say, I'm not good enough for the presence of God. Can I tell you that when you make that statement, God's already on his way to your well. <laughs> he's already coming to where you are. And no matter what time you come to that well, he's going to meet you at that well. And he's going to tell you, yeah, I know you've had five husbands and the one you're living with now is not yours. But I'm going to tell you, when the the woman with her sixth man met the seventh man, he gave her an eight, a brand new beginning. That's what I want to say about all that. Because grace, folks, doesn't matter how deep you have gone. It matters how deep God can reach. And there's no place you can go to get away from the presence of God. God wants people that are under the yoke of grace in this house. Oh, I could walk the aisles right now, preach the gospel because I want you to know we need to praise him because of grace. We need to love him because of grace. We need to honor him because of grace. There's nothing like grace in the place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then he invited a man that he knew had just got married. I love my wife. Well, she doesn't get it ready as quick as I do. I'm going to shake that off. It takes her longer to comb her hair. You can laugh at that. And uh a country western star sung a song about my wife waiting on a woman. (laughs) She's not in here right now. If she was, there'd be something being thrown at me from this side over here. (laughs) But Jesus invited a man that had been married, and he knew he was married because he don't want people just dating him. He don't want you to have a miracle on Sunday and be dating something else on Monday. He don't want you to just have a rent of Jesus. He wants you to say, you're my Lord. You know, the difference between John and Judas was simply this. John called Jesus Lord at the Last Supper and Judas called him Master. And when he is just a master to you, you can change masters. You can go from Jesus to drink, from Jesus to drug, from Jesus to sex, all kinds of illicit sex. But when you've got Jesus in your life, you want him in the morning. You want him in the evening. You want him every day because Jesus has to have your total commitment. Oh, I feel like preaching right now. Not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. you got to sell out and you got to buy in. He knew he was married. He didn't even have to say, "Excuse me." because that's what married folks do. They have to go on honeymoons. And by the way, I'm available. If anybody thinks I'm just talking about marriage and dating right now. I'll marry you right today. But that's not, how, that's not the message. The message is there's a spiritual evaluation here that you've got to be sold out. You've got to be married to something greater than this world has in your life. God wants to change our capacity. That's why he said, one will put a 1,000 to flight and two will put 10,000 to flight. And where two or three are gathered in my name I'll be in the midst. He didn't say that's a big crowd. Many people say, well, we got five here tonight, so God must be here. No, no. You can have 10,000. But if two or three are agreed touching any one thing, he said, I want an attitude of the church to get a hold and not let go, to be roped under grace and be yoked with grace and to be married to a cause bigger than itself. Are you with me? Clap your hands and say, I'm on board, Pastor. Let's move forward. I'm on board. So if that happens... 2018 will be the greatest year ever because we're committed to a cause, the cause of Jesus Christ. So here's my prayer for the church. Make me bigger than I was before when I was overly sensitive and easily offended. Increase my capacity. I want to be married to the process and reach my destination, Pastor. I'm tired of the room that I've been living in. I want to try another room. The Bible said in my Father's house are many mansions, many options. And the bigger they're bigger than your greatest fear and they're bigger than your biggest trouble. Take His yoke on you and learn of Him. Learn what it is to plow in a field of grace and start forgiving people. It's time, it's time, it's time for the church to throw every bit of judgmentalism and every bit of legalism out the door and let grace walk in this house and have full bore in this house. Come on, let's let grace have a place. Let's let grace have a place. Wow, wow, wow. God who is immeasurable wants to release us to become the sons of God. A person asked Winston Churchill <clears throat> what it was that prepared him to lead Great Britain against Nazi Germany in World War II. And Churchill said it was the time he had to repeat a grade in, in elementary school. And the person said, you mean you failed a year in grade school? He said, I never failed anything in my life. I was just given a second opportunity to get it right. Some people have a wrong view of religion and relationship with Jesus. Some people have a wrong view. This is his kingdom. It's not our kingdom. He makes the calls. We don't. He makes the final decision, not us. Everybody that walks in this door in 2018 will be greeted by the grace of God. Everybody that comes in this house will be greeted by the grace of God. Come on, sis, come on, lift your hands and say that's right. That's right. Because we want this house to be filled with to capacity. Read about a boy that invited his best friend to go fishing. I'm almost done. Randy, if you'll help me, invited his his uh, best friend to go fishing with him with his dad. And torrential rains kept from doing any fishing the whole week. And the boys got on each other's nerves, and they were acting silly. Then silly got serious, and they started killing each other, fighting. And the moral is this: that when those that are called to fish don't fish, they fight. You got to remember something, church. There's no city in the world where they've erected a statue to a critic. It's time to start believing God for the great and the good and the noble. Everybody say, Pastor, I want to be a land taker. I want to get a hold and not let go. I want to be yoked in grace. I want to plow in the field God wants me to plow. And I want to be married to the greatest cause in the whole world, Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Come on, clap your hands real big. <sighs> the city of Nineveh was a quite a conundrum. Jonah was called to go there and, and, and tell them that in 40 days God was going to destroy that city if they didn't repent. <laughs> and so... Jonah realizing that when you walked in the gates of Nineveh, false prophets were skinned alive and their skins were on the walls, the gates of the walls of the city. That's what they did to prophets in Nineveh. So Jonah goes down to the ship dock and he gets on a boat headed to Tarshish the other way. <laughs> he do not want none of that stuff. And on the way to Tarshish, a storm arises in the waters and, and Jonah says, I'm the problem. They pitched him overboard and God prepared a big old fish. And if you don't believe that, you don't believe anything. The Bible is true. And that fish swallowed him. And he stayed three, three days and nights in the belly of that whale. And then he got to praying down there in that, I think I would too. He got to praying down there in the belly of that great fish. And that fish threw him up. He said, God, I'll go. And he ran the distance of a three days journey, he ran in one day to get to Nineveh. He said, "I got to get there, man." He broke, he broke all of the Jesse Owens records in the thirty six old Olympics. He broke them all. He did, and he got to Nineveh, and he declared, "God's going to destroy this city." Well, something happened. Somehow, they believed him, and the king started wearing sackcloth inside his robe, and they went on a three day fast, and they prayed, and God didn't, God didn't destroy it. Now, Jonah, when he got through preaching, gets outside the city. He probably goes up on a little stadium, a little mountain outside of Nineveh. And he's waiting there. He said, God, go ahead and do it. I've done my job. Kill him, God. Kill him." Bible said the city, history said the city was about 600,000. But in the last verse of Jonah, chapter 4, there's a, there's a passage that said, I should not pity Jonah, Nineveh, that great city in which are more than 100 and 20,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left and much livestock here's what I want to say I know this sounds convoluted what I'm fixing to tell you but the Lord didn't save that city because they repented the Lord saved that city because there was 120,000 of the 600,000, one fifth of the population that didn't know their right hand from their left you know who doesn't know that? Kids kids don't know their right hand from their left so the Lord looked down and saw children. He saw kids. My little old grandson Windsor came into the office today and said, Bo, I can tell time now. And he put up his watch. I said, What time is He, he said, 753. Said, You got it, buddy. I said, I say seven minutes till eight. Oh, Bo, don't mess me up, he said. <laughs> Ellery continually puts her boots on the wrong foot. Why? It's always the wrong foot. It's never the right foot. Because she's a kid. They just do that. And it kind of gives me a message to preach that I'll use sometime and I'll preach to you. But I've always believed this. That children are going to be in heaven. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Children are going to be in heaven. I'm tired of using that fear tactic against parents. Your kids are going to go someplace that you don't go if you're not saved because your kids are going to be with the Lord one day. He loves children. He saved Nineveh because there were kids in that city that didn't know right from wrong. And he said, There's potential for grace to find them. And he said, And there were much cattle, there were much livestock. God loves people that sacrifice. He loves sacrifice. And there's two things that'll keep a church moving forward. That's people that love children and give grace a chance with our people and people that'll sacrifice to see the kingdom of God go forward. That's two attitudes that we need in our house. That's two things that we need in our house. We need a love for kids like never before. Kids are our inheritance. They're the greatest thing we could ever produce. When I see my girls on stage, when I see when I see my grandkids telling me, Bo Daddy, I'm going to be great in the kingdom of God. I'm going to do great things. I'm going to be a leader of leaders. I'm going to be something special in the kingdom of God. I turn my head and start crying because I can't take it. It's too great for me to hear my kids say that. You hear me? There's nothing like children that call on the name of the Lord and believe that God can do anything. We need that spirit in our church. The church needs that attitude. God, you can do anything. And we're going to sacrifice our praise. We're going to sacrifice our time. We're going to sacrifice our talents. Because this is a place where you show up and you can do anything in our lives. Would you stand and clap your hands for the word of the Lord right now? Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Grace, 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 grace. So Thursday I have a a dawning task ahead of me and it's dawning. My pastor passed two, two months and seven days ago, ten days ago now, and his sweet wife died just this last week died of a broken heart and, and I I've been asked to come Thursday to officiate and when I heard it I, I cried I, I cried because she was the sweetest surrogate she was the greatest he knocked me around he told me I could never preach he told me that I wouldn't didn't have it she always said don't listen to him She fed me when I was hungry in college, trying to pay my way through college. She washed my clothes. She always checked on me. Rexy Dale, you doing all right? Or she called me. Doing okay? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Besides that, she's very gorgeous. And I thought if I could ever marry somebody that special. And I did. But she had the attitude of grace and she knew that if she worked with me long enough I would get married to a cause and I'd never walk away from and so I stand here today a recipient of someone that obeyed Luke and said I'm the only difference is I'm not going to go take my talent out there I'm going to bring it to here I'm going to give my land holding to the house. And I'm going to give my grace to the house. And I'm going to give my marriage to the house. I'm going to be married to a cause greater than myself. Thank you, Mama Tigger. Thank you. Thank you much. I adored you. Would you raise your hands? You're awesome people. And I love you very much. Dear Jesus, I just didn't feel like giving an altar appeal today. I just wanted to preach that our house... Your house should be filled. Give us an attitude of grace. Give us an attitude of you're my God. Give us an attitude of I'm married to you. And I know you'll not forsake me in the valley. I know you'll not walk away from me when I go through the hard times. You're going to be my God. We're 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 married. We're not just renting each other. We're not just dating each other. We're married. What a joy to know you. What a joy to have you in my life. What a joy. Thank you for this congregation. Let people be committed like they never have before. This is a great time, a great year. We're closer to the coming of Jesus than we've ever been. And Let us receive that in our lives and our hearts. Lift your hands real high and say, Lord, I commit myself. I give myself. I will be a land taker. I will hold on and not let go. I will be a person yoked in grace. Amen. I will show grace and kindness and favor to everyone. And Lord, thank you because I want to be married to the cause. I want to be married to the cause. And I will bring my gifts. I will bring my attitudes to this church, every service, and to the world every day. Amen. I love you, Jesus. Clap your hands real big. Clap your hands real big. Clap your hands. Amen. 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 Know that I love you, and I'm not taking it back. You're the greatest people on the planet, and I get to work with you and for you every day. I love you. Have a great day. See you on church Wednesday night. God bless. Have a great day. Have a great week. I love you. Go with God.